What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Combo Church Podcast. My name is Craig. And my name is Kara, and we are the lead pastors of Combo Church. If you are listening on combochurch.com, iTunes, or Spotify, make sure you subscribe, follow, and like. We love it when you share with your family and friends, and we would love it if you could leave us a great review. Our prayer for you is that the message today will inspire purpose, encourage life, and build faith in you. Enjoy Enjoy the the message. message. Okay, so I want to start with a couple of quotes. Um, These are super deep. You're going to love these. It's about getting started on something. Alberto Salazar once said, I had as many doubts as anyone else. Standing on the starting line, we're all cowards. That's the truth, right? It looks differently for some people, or it can look differently. If you're at a distance and you're looking at people, you can be like, oh, they've got it all together. It's totally fine. They're not scared at all, but I guarantee that's not true. Uh, Mark Twain once had this super deep thought. He said, the secret to getting ahead is getting started. I was like, whoa, that's, whoa. That is almost like, I mean, that's amazing. I was like, oh, no wonder he's so smart. Um, So the two things we're going to really cover today is, first of all, our mission, we've been talking about being on mission. Our mission actually gets going the minute that we say yes, that we say yes. And God's mission has actually always existed, Um, and he's known his mission for you before you were created in your mother's womb is what it says. Not once you were created, not once you were born, not once you you reached age 12 or age 30 before we were even formed. And so we're super behind if we've not started. I'm just kidding, no pressure. Uh, So Craig's been talking about what it means to be on mission. And that's kind of a, that can be kind of a churchy phrase. A lot of people who are missionaries use that a lot. They, um, they kind of throw it around. It can be conversational, but not really have a lot of weight to it. And so I really appreciate it. If, you have, if you've missed the last several teachings, uh, go back and listen to it on our YouTube channel or the podcast. It just, for me, I, so I've been saved since I was seven. I was very little. Um, but Miss Rosemary in my, in my Sunday school class asked if I wanted to be saved, if I wanted Jesus in my heart, and I knew that I did, so I said yes. I haven't always lived on mission during all of that time. Um, I definitely have looked left and looked right and done what I felt like doing. But for the most part, I knew that God had some kind of call on my life. And I actually, from a really young age, knew it was, it was going to be small. I always felt like it was going to be small. And he made me comfortable with that really quickly. Um, in fact, in ninth grade, this poor man came into my ninth grade world history class uh, from Amnesty International, which I'm sure is a great organization. And he's talking about all this stuff that they do. And I'm sure he was an intern now looking back on how nonprofits work. Um, they probably just sent like the new guy to go in and talk about Amnesty. He probably like read from the pamphlet. And I just harassed that guy. I was like, what about the people here? What are, I'm I was seriously 14. What about the people in our own neighborhoods? And I was just like indignant. I was beside myself. And so I knew my mission being on mission for me was going to be something really local. And um, that was just how God paved it for me. That won't be like that for everybody. We're each called to something different. And this past year, as a whole, um, as a a crazy continuum, I think a lot of us have felt some pressure at some time uh, throughout this being on mission to maybe shift our focus from what has happened to us or what is happening to us, and um, or 
and I quote myself here, may or may not happen. It really just depends on when things get back to normal. (laughs) Has anyone else said that like 38 times? I have said it at least 38 times uh, this week. So, you know, like every time we're planning anything, it's like, well, you know, if things get back to normal in March, February, whatever, then, you know, maybe it'll work out. So, Here's, here's actually what I think it's come down to, and God kind of dropped this nugget in, during one of Craig's teachings. 2020 has clearly taught us that no one except God sees things clearly, right? I'm going to say that again. 2020 has clearly taught us that no one except God sees things clearly. And so the second we get comfortable with that is the second we can really get back to being on mission. Nowhere in Scripture, this is my second great brain moment that I had. Nowhere in scripture does it say if your year just isn't working out, you can forego being on mission and stop loving me and stop loving my people. So that was just a message for me. And I was like, oh my gosh, okay. Because I've used it as an excuse, honestly. And I think what this whole series has really spoken to me, it's really shaken me up to think about my no rather than my yes. Because I say yes a lot, but it doesn't always mean anything because it's easy for me. I've grown up in church. My mom's a pastor, um, so I'm that kind of kid. I'm a pastor's kid where we were just at church all the time, so we just say yes to helping. But it's not necessarily tied to the heart of loving God and loving people. I just do it because that's what I'm supposed to do. And so I've really been challenged um, to actually seek God before I say yes to anything, and really analyze my no. Today we're going to take an inward look. You guys each get to, you don't have to share. You can later at lunch. It's a great idea. But you guys, just I want you to think about where you are in in your yeses with God right now. Um, Being on mission might be familiar. That might be a phrase you've heard lots of times. It might be something that you've stepped into, like I said, with my life where it was kind of seasonal, where I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. I know that I'm in God's will. And then, gosh, that is tiring. So I'm just going to come over here for a little while and not do that because, man, Satan likes to attack when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, which that's why we count it as a compliment. (laughs) Yeah, count it as a compliment. Cool, you're mad at me? I must be doing something right. Um, for others, you might be hearing that term for the first time, and so, or some of you might have been hearing it for a while, but you've not quite said yes to any of it. Um, but we are really called, we are all called to the same two things, which actually makes it easy. And I love lists, I love checklists, and so that God was able to narrow down our entire focus of life to two commands, love God and love others. That was really helpful for me. Um, it's not easy. It sounds really basic when it's narrowed down to those two things. But it, but it really is basic. So we're going to read uh, first in Matthew 22, 34 through 40. Matthew 22, 34 through 40. Page 1,188. I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it because I told my kids earlier that's a pastor's favorite joke. (laughs) It is. It is. But when the Pharisees heard that he, Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, 
which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest command. commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on those two commands. We are those people. We are the ones who are supposed to be loving God and loving his people. It, and <laughs> what's really great about this is how chill Jesus was. I regularly write hashtag sarcasm in my Bible next to when I think Jesus may have said something sarcastically, and I have it here now. Because, first of all, he had just got done right before this. If you look at the scriptures before, every time they said something to him, they were trying to trap him. Every time the people who were supposed to know the most about the most about God and Jesus and the Messiah to come, they were always trying to trap him when they said things. And he knows. He knew their heart. You're not tricking Jesus. Just imagine your most exhausting holiday with your most exhausting non-believing relatives. <laughs> and they like want to ask you all these questions about what you believe and then tell you that you're wrong. That was the day Jesus was having, right? And so you're like, he's like, okay, stop asking. We can actually just have this time together. You don't have to keep asking. But they were approaching him, asking these questions over and over. And every time it says they were trying to trap him. And so their question is, what's the greatest command? And he leveled it. Love God, love my people. And the second one, they didn't actually, they said, what is your greatest command? And he said, it's love God. And then, and then he kind of tacked on this second one, which is where the, maybe it's not sarcastic. But he's like, you should know this because as you say, you are already doing this. You are the experts here. Um, but since you, you don't seem to know it, since you're having to ask me what is the greatest command, I'm going to tack it on. Love God and love my people. And so if they're so focused, they were so focused on the rules of things. Man, I love that. <laughs> Amy and I, where are you? Yes. <laughs> Amy and I play games, right? That girl, anytime I want to know if something's fair in a game, I ask Amy because she is on it. And it, it really, I just, I feel like it comes down to um, our, definitely our heart attitude, right? That they weren't, they weren't in this to really find out. What the, how they were supposed to be living their life. They just weren't. And Jesus knew it. And man, he called them out so fast, which is great to watch, but really terrible when it happens to us, right? It, and it definitely happens to us. But this is what it means to be on mission. It says that it, 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 at no point is any of this actually about us, about how, things that are happening to us, things that have happened to us. It is about loving God and loving his people. This is what it means. And so we get to use this as a plumb line for every single day, for every minute of every day. Um, let's look at Matthew 22, 39 through 40. So same little section. I just want to reread this because he's saying this is where we all come in. You know, we can stay home. We cannot come to church. We cannot listen to YouTube preachers. We cannot listen to podcasts. We can stay home and we can do that first command, sort of. But really, if we're loving God, we, we, we have to be in community with his people. We have to be doing something with his people. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And in order to really, really do that, love my people. Love your neighbor as yourself. Man, I love myself. I'm not going to lie. I really do. I do a lot of stuff for myself. One time I led a Bible study for moms. I was such an early mom. And it was this how to find balance, the nine things to help you, the nine most important things in a mom's life. And you know what I realized? I really was good at taking care of myself. 
And like all these other moms are like, I never do anything for myself. I can't think of the last time I ate a meal all alone. I'm like, oh gosh, I eat a meal alone all the time. <laughs> I see what's happening here. And so that wasn't my problem. Everyone's like, you know, self-care is important. And I was like, okay. And I took it as like the law, right? But also caring for your people is important, as it turns out. And so if I'm loving other people as I love myself, I'm going to love them so big. I really am. I'm going to love them so big. This is what it means to be on mission. When you're going about your day and it's, it feels off or you're struggling and you're interacting with people and everyone is annoying, come back to this passage. Are you loving God and loving people? Are you loving God by loving his people, even the tough ones? Um, when you're spending time in prayer and you're reading your Bible and you feel like God's stirring something up and he's speaking to you, bring it back to this. Am I loving God and loving his people? How much am I supposed to obey? It's all the way. Every time the answer is all the way we're supposed to obey. If your spouse or your coworker is so annoying, and I mean, just in that minute, and you're, you're like this joke comes to your mind that you, I mean, you couldn't sleep the other night and you're thinking, is this my moment to use this joke, to use this sarcasm? This is not your moment actually. That's not loving God and loving his people. That never happens. I was just give, trying to give you guys some something to relate to in case that happens with you. I regularly am up at night, and I'm like, oh, that's a good one. Gosh, I'm going to save that one. That's funny. Qu quippy people do that. All of you quippy people that are in the room, or you wonder why people are so quick-witted. They're not. They've been planning it for weeks. <laughs> weeks. Our goal is to love God and love his people. It becomes our mission. God's mission becomes our mission when we start putting some action to it. That doesn't necessarily mean going out serving, 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 like I said earlier, where I would serve because that's what everyone was doing or I thought that's what I was supposed to do. It's always existed for us. But when we say yes to God, when he's specifically tugging us towards something, then, man, it's like this thing starts to happen where we love differently. We love people that people will say, I don't know how you can love that person. I don't know how you can, whatever, stay married to that person or continue having a, a relationship with your parents when they act that way. I don't know how you can continue working for that boss. I don't know how you continue working in that environment because God has asked us to love all of his people, not just the ones who show up to Convo Church and we're all like-minded. It's, it's all of us. I am someone's hard-to-love person. I know it. Very often it's probably my husband. I'm not going to lie. I, you know, when you're married for so many years, babe, is it almost 25? I think it's almost 25. I mean, he probably could name my buttons. I could definitely name his buttons. And, they're, you know, we should work to avoid it, right? But when we want to be right, sometimes it's like, oh, where is that button? Yeah. I don't want to be that wife. So he has full permission to call me out on it. I also don't want to be that wife, so my mom has full permission to call me out on it. My kids have full permission to call me out on it. The people who I put around me, I, I want to I love well. And so I surround myself with people who have full permission to call me out on it. But do it nicely. If you're not dead yet, you're actually not done saying yes to God. I mean, that, I, I feel like that... It seems to really simplify things. But we will say yes over and over and over. It isn't just once. And then we camp out on that thing. You know, my daughter and I went to Africa two years ago. And that sounds insane. I can't believe that was two years ago. I don't want to be the kind of person who just keeps talking about this mission I did one time. And it was so amazing. That, that was for then. Okay, what am I doing now? 
That's what we should always be asking ourselves. It should be ongoing. That doesn't mean that we're in Africa every minute or that that's what we're called to. I wasn't actually even, that wasn't even my trip. She wasn't old enough to go by herself. She needed uh, an adult, and so I was, I'm her adult, and so I went with her. And, you know, it, it wasn't, I was supporting her as a mama. I was being the mama that I was called to be. She was being the missionary that she was called to be. And we each got something out of it. Also, if you've never gone on a mission trip with your kids, do it. It's so cool. It's very cool to watch them. As we, um, I'm going to look at three quick examples of people that they're yes. When they said yes, they were all in, and they continued saying yes. And one of them was this, this little old lady who, if you're going to draw a picture of a little old lady, this is what she would look like. Her name's Marty. Her kids were grown. She had no husband, and I think that he had passed away, but I'm not sure. And um, I, she just, she, I grew up in a church where she attended for years and years. And she felt God calling her to Africa. And when she went to our pastor, she told him, I think, I think I'm think i supposed to go to Africa. And he really, really nicely was like, you're so old. He didn't say that. But she definitely was older. Definitely was older. And, and she talked to different Christians. She talked to her kids about it. And everyone seemed to be giving her the same practical advice about what God was calling her to. Well, our church isn't going to Africa. Uh, I bet she knew that. I bet she did know that. Um, You'd be going alone. I also bet she knew that. Um, You're elderly, and your health is going to be a lot more at risk if you go. This This just seems, it seemed crazy, crazy. Wouldn't you feel more comfortable sticking around and, like, helping with knitting club or something? But no, that wasn't what Marty was called to. God was calling her to Africa. And uh, so she did what anyone would do, and she lied about her age when Greg asked her how old she was. <laughs> I don't recommend that. Don't lie to your pastor. Um, but she saw this opportunity, and she decided to take it. And so she actually she told him that she was about 65 when she was almost 80, which I <laughs> She's salty. I mean, <laughs> I love it. Uh, she agreed to go with another person. Uh, which ended up being a guy that she didn't really know. His name is Jim, and he was, I don't know whose idea it was. It was Jesus's, but I don't know whose, like, in-church idea it was for him to go with her. But let me just read to you what happened because Marty said yes. Uh, First of all, she went to Africa, which means she started a legacy of obedience, right? Her family is going to be affected because she said yes to that craziness, what seemed like crazy to everybody else. God provided opportunities for her to share good news in villages, in churches. She went to Africa year after year after year. The guy that she brought, Jim, um, he wasn't saved when he went. He was a guy that did handyman work around our church because he was just kind of a manly dude and knew how to do a lot of stuff. He worked construction or maybe owned his own company. I, I don't remember. But he ended up, she got really sick one night, and she was literally about to walk out and speak to a crowd and she said, I can't go out there. You're going to have to go speak. And he said, I'm not a Christian. And she said, we need to fix that. And they did right there. Like on the side of the stage, he surrendered. And then he went out and he preached. Isn't that crazy? Things like we would never think to do something like that here. We'd go find someone else. I'd be like on Facebook, hey, I'm sick. Can someone, can someone run in and preach real quickly? You know what I'm saying? Like, but in, in that situation and in her faith, she said, let's fix it. And he said, okay, that's crazy. I love it. 
Um, so then he actually went home when they got home, and he married Marty's daughter, which I love. They weren't dating, um, but he married Marty's daughter. I love it. And then he, they went year after year until Marty actually passed away from malaria. Um, but I don't know how many years um, I tried to find out, but um, nobody really knew. It was a lot. And even I think her, even her daughter went uh, to Africa, too. Um, but she had been giving, Marty had been giving her malaria pills to people in the village uh, so that they could be well. I also don't recommend that. But, man, what a story. What a calling. I mean, what a crazy, what a crazy little lady that all started when she lied to our pastor. And he was like, she confessed right away, like after she got back from Africa. And he's like, are you, very dad, are you serious? It was great. But her story, how she said yes, seriously makes me take a hard look at when I say no. I mean, gosh, we, you know, we, because if we knew where our, or where our yeses would lead, we'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. I'm totally in. If we could look at our ripple effect, it would be so easy to say yes, but we're going to look at two more people. And I, I just want to point out, all three of these people, Marty, actually Jim, so four people, all of them eventually, it wasn't that they trusted the process, it, actually. It wasn't that they trusted um, other people. They trusted God. And that, that was it. So as you're working in that hard place, as you're remaining, as you're standing, as you're, as you're sitting firmly rooted where God has you, you just remember that it isn't about trusting all these other things. It's really just about trusting God to continue saying yes. I think the, one of the craziest things about Marty's story is that she made saying yes look really, really easy. And I think the temptation is for us to look at other people and say, well, they've, you've been saved. You're a pastor. They let you wear a head, a head mic. You know, whatever it is, you, you've actually read your, you've read scripture. Jim could have been like, I've never even opened a Bible. He came to church very faithfully. I don't know that he was always in service. You know, he was there to help. And he legitimately, like he was able to do a lot of things in his skill set when he was in Africa. He built roofs. He put floors in people's houses. So God used his skill even before he was a Christian. So where we would kind of discredit his yes, God was like, bring it. We'll use it all. And he did. He used it all. If we aren't, if we aren't careful, we can fall into the belief that it's only hard for us to say yes to God, which isn't true. That is, that is not something God wants us to believe about ourselves. Um, we, we're not saying, like I said, we're not saying yes to all those things. We're just saying yes to God. Um, let's take a look at, at the players that are in the story. We read this story every year, Luke 1, 26 through 38. And I just, I want to look, they made it look really easy for themselves to say yes as well. Uh, Luke 26 through 38. And I just, it's easy for us even today. I mean, the story is just well, as old as Jesus, and we still use, we still get caught up in this excuse. Oops. I didn't mark my Bible because I was like, it's the Gospels. I know where those guys are, but here I am. All right, 26 through 38, the birth of Jesus foretold. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to, to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, 
to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and he said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, naturally, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and will, he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son, and now in her sixth month, for the word of God will never fail. You guys should underline that if you've got your Bible. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. So, ladies, can you just imagine if you're like hanging out by a tree one day or whatever Mary was doing as a teenager and the angel of the Lord arrives? I hear you laughing already because this is about to get weird. Um, I mean, that, and an angel arrives, right? That's so intense, okay? Like people, a celebrity walks in places and you're, you're just like, for months, a celebrity walked in where I was. We ate lunch at the same place. I had a friend send me the back of Justin Timberlake's head. He was golfing at Montreux. And she was like, you know what I'm saying? Like we get crazy when we see things like that. So imagine if an angel of the Lord came to you and called you a good woman. I'd be fine with it. And then he tells you you're going to have a son. Wow. Okay. Um, and that you won't conceive normally, but the Holy Spirit will hover over you, and you will conceive that way. You've lost me just a little bit. <laughs> right? I'm all, okay. Um, and then this is the best part. He's going to be called the Son of God and reign over Israel forever. Okay? That's probably what the angel closed with. Okay? No, he didn't. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. What? We don't answer. No. We do not answer this way. We probably should, right? We should be in a place where we recognize God's angels and his voice so clearly that this is how we would respond. But she just looked, made this look really easy. She had one question. Holy cow, I'd have a lot of questions. I got pregnant with my son, I mean, with my daughter, when my newborn was nine weeks old, and I still have questions, right? And they're both grown, and they don't live in my house anymore. And I'm like, wait, I've got another one for you. She, Mary asked one question, which I think is just amazing. That is, a, that is a lot of trust. But again, that's it, that she wasn't trusting her situation. She was saying yes just to God. She was trusting God. She said yes in the face of her reputation with her family, trusting that eventually they were going to come around if they didn't, right? If they didn't accept her, hey, I'm going to give birth to the, the Messiah. Okay, Mary. I swear I got pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Okay, Mary. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm trying to imagine this picture with my kid, <laughs> right? Or with my neighbor and saying, so my daughter came home today and said that, She's going to get pregnant with the Holy Spirit. I don't, I, just, I don't know how that would roll with me. It wouldn't. 
It wouldn't. But she said yes in the knowing that some serious damage was going to be done to her reputation. Um, she said yes in the face of rejection from her betrothed. Betrothed in that time was not like dating. It was like being married already. And so could you imagine putting this into modern conversation, her, this conversation that she had with Joseph? Hey, Joseph. Hey, Mary. Do you remember all those things that we put, remember that huge Bible we put between us when we were dancing so we wouldn't take it too far? It's church dances, man. Do you remember when we kept both feet on the floor so we didn't include our feet in our makeout session? As it turns out, none of that worked, and I am actually pregnant, and you're not technically the dad. But I didn't cheat on you. I mean, that would be the craziest. How do you, I just don't even, you have to trust God so much, right? She also said yes to being the mother of God's son. That's crazy. Can I just tell you, raising five kids has been super difficult, and none of them are the son of God? Not one. <laughs> it's been hard. I just, it's crazy to me. My mind is just amazed. Sorry, my hair is in the way. And now let's look at Joseph's story. Mary made it look so easy. Let's look at Joseph's story. It probably didn't go like this. Hey, Mary. Hey, Joseph. So the son of God, huh? That's intense. It did not go like that. Um, Matthew 1, 18 through 25. His, his story is so short. But my goodness, he is obedient. Matthew 1, 18 through 25. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Another version says divorce her quietly because being betrothed was the same as being married. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all of this occurred to fulfill a prophecy, an already spoken prophecy. Joseph obeyed everything down to naming baby Jesus, Jesus. Like he, everything, everything he was told to do, he obeyed all the way. I think that's amazing. Because I think a lot of times I've witnessed in my own life is that I obey most of the stuff God says until, it, you know, there's like a little bit of the, like the pride in me wants to retain something. I'll do all that stuff you ask, Lord, but I'm going to just do this one little bit my way, you know. We do that. And, and I just, I love his example that he did not. And he said yes in the face of a reputation lost. He was an honored man in his society. They both were. Um. And we actually know that many, many, many people would never believe that Jesus is the Messiah all the way to his death and beyond. So it's not like there's going to come a point where they're like, dang, Joe, sorry. Sorry we doubted you. We now believe that Jesus is the Messiah. I mean, he was going to go his whole life with people calling him a liar. I do not like being called a liar. Man, that gets me going. That really, that riles me. I couldn't imagine saying yes in the face of that knowing that was going to be possibly forever. And he was allowing to not allow a tiny, even that tiny sliver of doubt that Mary maybe cheated on him. 
That's a lot of faith. That is a lot of faith. But it didn't come down to him trusting Mary. It came down to him trusting God. He also was agreeing to raise the Son of God. And then later in Matthew, he continued being so faithful, so committed to listening to God that um, when he had a dream, uh, he obeyed God when he told him to take his wife and take baby Jesus and go and um, flee to Egypt. He obeyed over and over and over again. Um, do you want to come on up? So one, one of the things that I think is so crazy is just the ripple effect that came from uh, Mary, Joseph, Marty, and even Jim. In, you know, in, the, in their choices. And, and just, I bet for Jim, I didn't get to talk to him about it, but man, I bet for him, he was just like, we're not letting this little old lady go to Africa by herself. Okay, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna go with her and be a protector. And what a great choice. I, he had no idea what was coming, but he was saying yes to God even before he knew God, but God knew him because our stories start before we were even in, in our mother's wombs. Jim's story had started long before that. And so whatever needed to happen, God's so faithful to prepare our hearts for that yes. And they didn't just say once, they didn't just say yes once. They said it over and over and over and over again. Even though sometimes what God was asking was crazy and it was getting crazier and crazier, and but more amazing. We are called to live a life with saturated faith. Saturated faith. That word is like, I mean, just think about that word, saturated faith, not showing up for outreaches and then go on about our way, but returning to those reaching spaces, whatever that space is for you, wherever you're showing up and creating relationship in those spaces, that's saying yes over and over. And have you ever stopped to ask where we're supposed to be reaching from? I mean, if you're showing up at an outreach or you're showing up and you're like, Lord, I really want to be a good example or I really want some organic um, discipleship or relationship to happen here, show me favor. It shouldn't just be from our own selves. It's from the faith that God has continued to build in us. It's from, it is from the experience that we, experiences in, in the quiet times that we've had with God that's rolling over into those spaces. It's always reaching from the space of God, from the Holy Spirit. As we reach out our hands, that's earthly, right? We put our hand to the plow or plow to the ground. Those are all human things that we do. And what God does is he shows up and he makes that harvest supernatural. So we do, you know, we, we do that. We do the physical thing. You know, we show up. And because we've shown up where God has asked us, we've said yes to that, he shows up in the supernatural. And then crazy things happen, crazy things. He invites us in, the servant and the served, in those reaching spaces. And then he blesses all of it equally. So, well, probably sometimes an imbalance, but it's a fight over, no, I feel more blessed. No, I feel more blessed. You know, that's the argument that we start to have, right? And then he takes that small thing that we've given, that showing up to, to clean the floors, the showing up to fix the chairs, moving the chairs without snapping the little things on the bottom. Am I right? I'm right. You know, he takes all of that and he creates this, he adds his supernatural to it. So then all of a sudden it doesn't even feel like work or reaching or hard anymore because we are just right where God wants us to be. We're just saying yes where he's asked us you know, Mary and Joseph raised a son who eventually would say yes to the cross for us. That's crazy. 
I want my kids to have a ripple effect like that. I want every relationship I have to be on purpose. You know, every when I make eye contact with someone, because I know Jesus so much, I want them to leave me differently because they've spent time with Jesus even without me having to say it. I want to be all in like, like Marty was. I want to be so committed to the yes that even though even if other Christians come up to me and say, but are you thinking about this practically? I can say, well, actually this is from God and I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I can do that crazy thing that actually isn't crazy at all. It didn't end up being crazy at all. It ended up being the right thing for Marty and for Jim and for every person that they touched. So what is it for you? And I would just, I would really like for you guys to just close your eyes right now because every one of us has some space that we're supposed to be saying either yes to or a bigger yes than, than what we've been saying so far. And I just want you to ask God, what is it? What, is, what am I supposed to be saying yes to? It could be going back to school, starting school. It could be starting a small group in your house when we start cruise next week, or sorry, next week. We're not starting cruise next week. We're having Christmas. Next season. It could be starting a Bible study or volunteering with a group or organization or quitting your job because the money makes so much sense at your job and going to work for an organization that you know is doing something for the kingdom of God. That you know that God's calling you there and trusting him to figure out your money. It might be quitting something that has the potential to become an addiction, or maybe it already has. That's not something that we're ever supposed to do alone, and we don't have to. We have, that's why we have church. There are people in this room who have been through. Scripture says we've never experienced something outside of what other people experience. There's always someone who's gone through it. Always. It could be alcohol, drugs. It could be sex outside of marriage. You might not even know that some of the stuff that that is a sin if you're a new believer or not a believer yet. But he wants to bring you back into alignment so that when you say yes, he's able to have all the space to take you where he wants to take you. It could be confessing a struggle with pornography and committing to accountability. In my line of work, I work for Awaken where women and children have been trafficked. And pornography is the hub of all of it. It's incredibly addictive what it does to our brain is worse studies have shown us than what heroin does to our brain. And so if you think it's not a big deal, it is. It's something that Satan uses and he's made, he's made it so casual. It's no big deal. But it, it could stop if you said yes today to, to confessing that to just one person. You don't have to stand in front of the church. Just go to one person. If you're a girl, I'll be your person. If you're a guy, I'm positive there's men here who will, who will walk with you. Yep, hands are going up. They will walk with you without judgment. Leaving your comfort zone and saying yes to someplace like Africa, someplace like Mexico, someplace like your literal street where you live already, which sometimes are the hardest people to love. Men showing up to Craig's men's group in the mornings and in investing in relationship, pursuing relationship in a nation that has said pursuing relationships is not very manly. That is a lie. That is a lie. 
honoring your spouse, husbands and wife, honoring your spouse, honoring your boss, even when they're crazy town, honoring them. Scripture talks about it. Waking up every morning to meet God in his word, showing up as an intentional parent every dang day, even though the promise is that it's gonna be difficult, but being intentional, not reactive, but proactive at every turn. Tithing, how does tithing fit into here? It does, because I'm loving God by saying, God, you've told me to do this, and so I trust you. I'm, I'm trusting you. And then that's loving God's people because our church takes out money and they do amazing things with it. I'm sorry you don't get to be there when Awaken, the Awaken girls open their presents next week. I do, and I'm so excited. You guys don't know what a blessing it is. We made all the girls close their eyes as we're bringing all these presents, and they're just, they're, your ripple effect is enormous by simply going and buying one extra Christmas present this year. It's enormous. They can't believe people would care about them that much. And that's, those are God's people. These are God's people. They, we should be shocking them with how much we love them, just shocking them. God's mission has existed for us since the beginning of time. Your mission begins when you choose to join him in it. And he's not asking you to do everything. He's asking you to do something, just the next right thing. And I'm gonna leave you with this quote before I pray. It's from Martin Luther King Jr. He says, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. And if you can't walk, then crawl. But by all means, keep moving. So whatever it is that you're supposed to say yes to today, whatever that was that God's brought to your mind, and if he hasn't brought something to mind, continue asking him later today, tomorrow, all the way. Just continue asking him until he reveals it to you. Whatever you're supposed to say yes to, just continue praying for that. Thank you again for joining us on the Combo Church Podcast. Special shout out to those who give so generously to Convo Church. It's because of you that this ministry is even possible. If you want to sow into the ministry, go to ComboChurch.com and simply click the Give button. It's that easy. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, follow, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories and tag us at Combo Church. Thanks again for listening. And make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Combo Church Podcast.